Hi, welcome to the session. In this podcast, we will cover human papillomavirus, cervical pathology, and cervical cancer screening. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. HPV, or human papillomavirus, is the most common viral infection of the reproductive tract. Most sexually active women and men will be infected at some point in their lives, and some may be repeatedly infected. The peak time for acquired infection for both women and men is shortly after becoming sexually active. HPV is sexually transmitted, but penetrative sex is not required for transmission. Skin-to-skin genital contact is a well-recognized mode of transmission. There are many types of HPV, and many do not cause any problems at all. HPV infections generally clear up without any interventions within a few months after acquisition, and about 90% clear within two years. A small proportion of infections with certain types of HPV can persist cyst and thereby progress to cancer. Cervical cancer is by far the most common HPV-related disease. Nearly all cases of cervical cancer can be attributed to HPV infection. Although data on anogenital cancers other than cancer of the cervix are limited, there is an increasing body of evidence linking HPV with cancers of the anus, vulva, vagina, and penis. Although these cancers are less frequent than cancer of the cervix, their association with HPV makes them potentially preventable using similar primary prevention strategies as those for cervical cancer. Non-cancer causing types of HPV, especially types 6 and 11, can cause genital warts and respiratory papillomatosis, a disease in which tumors grow in the air passages leading from the nose and mouth into the lungs. Although these conditions very rarely result in death, they may cause significant occurrence of disease. Genital warts are very common and highly infectious. In the United States, the incidence of cervical cancer has decreased by greater than 50% over the last 40 years, likely because of widespread cervical cancer screening tests. Point prevalence of HPV positivity is highest in those 18 to 22 years of age and is as high as 70% in that age group, falling off rapidly as women enter into their 30s. HPV DNA is found in virtually all cervical carcinomas and precursor lesions worldwide. High-risk HPV types include 16, 18, 31, 33, 35, 45, 52, and 58. And these are common oncogenic virus types for cervical cancer. Now remember that there's over 100 different types of HPV viruses. HPV 16 is the most carcinogenic HPV genotype, and it accounts for 55 to 60% of all cervical cancers. 
HPV-18 is the next most carcinogenic HPV genotype. HPV-18 causes a greater proportion of glandular cancers, adenocarcinoma, and adenosquamous carcinoma than squamous cell carcinoma. Most HPV infections, again, are transient, becoming undetectable within one to two years after acquisition. Persistent infections are what place women at significant risk of developing precancerous lesions. This low-risk types, like the HPV viral types 6, 11, 42, 43, and 44, are considered common low-risk types and can cause genital warts. HPV 6 and 11 cause 90% of benign anogenital warts, and they can lead to low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesions of the cervix. All right, well, let's talk about some of the risk factors, not just for HPV, but for persistent HPV infection. These risk factors include previous or current HPV infection, HIV infection, or other immunosuppressive conditions, in utero exposure to diethylstilbestrol, although that's now less common, previous treatment of a high-grade precancerous lesion or previous cervical cancer, cigarette smoking, early age at first coitus defined as less than 18 in some studies and less than 20 in others, multiple sexual partners, and there's some correlation with low socioeconomic status, high parity, oral contraceptive use, and poor nutrition. Okay, next, let's talk about exactly how the oncogenic HPV types transform normal cervical cells into precancerous and cancerous conditions. Human papillomaviruses have circular double-stranded DNA genomes that are approximately 8 kilobytes in size and encode 8 genes, of which E6 and E7 have transforming properties. These proteins have pleiotropic functions, such as transmembrane signaling, regulation of the cell cycle, transformation of established cell lines, immortalization of primary cell line, and regulation of chromosomal stability. Now, the viral E6 and E7 oncoproteins are necessary for malignant conversions. That's your clinical pearl. E6 and E7 are the oncoproteins by which HPV transforms cells. The abilities of high-risk HPV, E6, and E7 proteins to associate with the tumor suppressor P53 and RB, respectfully, have been suggested as the mechanism by which these viral proteins induce tumors. All right, well, let's talk about general prevention strategies, including immunization. Immunization decreases high-risk HPV infections and cervical pathology for at least five to seven years, but so far, the data has not shown it to actually decrease cervical cancer. Now, ideally, HPV immunization of girls, boys, and women should be initiated prior to first intercourse. Per the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice, HPV vaccine should be offered to adolescents 11 to 12 years of age. Now, there's three HPV vaccines that are actually licensed for use in the United States. There's a nine-valent HPV vaccine, there's a quadrivalent HPV vaccine, and a bivalent HPV version. Now, since January 2017, however, only the nine-valent HPV vaccine is available in the U.S., 
Gardasil 9 was approved in 2014 for use in females and males aged 9 to 26 years. This reduces dysplasia due to HPV types 16 and 18. Again, that accounts for about 75% of cervical cancer. Types 6 and 11 are also reduced, thereby reducing anogenital warts, and it offers protection against five additional HPV types, which cause approximately 25% of CIN2 lesions. Here is the vaccination schedule. If HPV vaccine is given before the 15th birthday, only two doses are used, one given and then the second one at 6 to 12 months apart. If the vaccine is begun on or after the 15th birthday, then three doses are administered, one at zero, the other at two, and the other at six months from the first. For screening for cervical cancer, the pap smear remains a screening test of choice. Most use a liquid-based technology. Pap smears are not recommended in women under the age of 21. Pap smears do begin at age 21 regardless of sexual history and can be done every three years from 21 to 29. Now, screening with cytology alone is recommended, and HPV testing either alone or combined with cytology is not recommended in the 21 to 29-year age range. From 30 to 65 years of age, it is recommended to screen with cytology alone every three years, which is an acceptable plan, or to co-test. That includes cytology with HPV testing every five years, and that's considered the preferred method. Over age 65, it's no longer recommended to continue screening in those who have had adequate prior screening and are not considered to be at risk. In 2017, the United States Preventative Service Task Force made a recommendation a little different than that of the American College of OBGYN. Once again, ACOG recommends that the preferred screening modality for cervical cancer in women aged 30 to 65 was cytology with HPV high-risk DNA every five years. However, the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force recommends that in women aged 30 to 65, primary screening be either cytology alone every three years or high-risk HPV DNA testing alone every five years. Again, either cytology every three years or high-risk DNA for HPV every five. The U.S. Preventive Service Task Force does not recommend co-testing. This is different than the recommendation by the American College of OBGYN. Okay, that wraps up our quick podcast covering the basic pathophysiology of human papillomavirus, immunization, and screening modalities covering both ACOG and the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force. We'll see you next time.